in standing firm against the temptations of the devil, reminding us that it is the truth of the Word of God upon which we stand and in which we stand. And that is vital if we are going to overcome this, this nagging problem that we have called worry. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Probably when you got to uh, December, the, the, the 31st, the last day of the year, you thought, oh good, we're done with Philippians. But we have to come back there tonight. And we just want to be reminded for just a few minutes of, of Paul's teachings that, that are there. I was talking with a man after church this morning, and he said, you know, I, I've, I've looked, uh, this is a paraphrasal of our conversation, he says, I have looked for that switch that you can just turn worry off, and I can't find it anywhere. And he was feeling all around the back of his head, and, and, and that's true. There is no switch you can't just suddenly say, oh, don't worry, be happy. You remember that song? By the way, the words of that song are not bad if you think of them theologically. Go back through that sometime. But, but we are not Pollyannas to where, oh, everything is fine because everything isn't fine. Okay, how many of you know who Pollyanna is? Ah, everybody over certain age <laughs> over certain age. we're not foolish we don't walk around with silly grins upon our faces all the time but we do carry ourselves with a certain comportment of, of the joy and the peace that comes from being in Christ and so even in the darkest of circumstances, we do know that we are in Christ. And nothing can take that away from us. And so as we come here, we're really just looking for something to help us. And I said this morning, we're here to help each other. If it, maybe you are worried and there's a particular area of your life. You're worried about your children. You're worried about your marriage. You're worried about your finances. You're worried about your job. You're worried about uh, the, the, the situation that, that, that is sweeping, acro sweeping across our nation. The, the division that has, uh, has just taken place, and it's always been there, but we have seen it over the last 10, 12 years just become more and more uh, uh, strong. And you become fearful, and you become worrisome. And yes, we know that in the end, God wraps all of this up just his way, and we know that we are safe. But we do stretch out there a little bit and begin to worry about tomorrow. And Jesus said, take care of the things of today. Tomorrow, you take care of the things of tomorrow. Plan as you are able, but do the things that you must do today to deal with the circumstances of life. And know that you are more important to your heavenly Father than anything else in his creation. 
Human beings are the pinnacle of God's creation, created in his image, created to have fellowship with him. And despite the fall, now because of the accomplished work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the design of the Heavenly Father, we are back into fellowship with him. This is where we live. This is who we are. Not in name only, but it is how we live. And so I mentioned at the end of the message this morning, the Apostle Paul, and how as a man, he had a lot that he could have worried about. There were struggling new churches and suffering old ones. He had deep concerns for those who had not yet heard the gospel, and he, he, he desired that missionaries and that people be sent into these areas that the gospel might go forth. His own health, his own safety, uh, the fact that he was imprisoned, all of these things were certainly uh, concerns in his life. Here's, here, here what he says in 2 Corinthians, uh, and, and he's writing there to silence some who were doubting his, uh, his sincerity and doubting his apostleship. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he describes the kind of life that he had and was living, verses 24 through 28. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten, and this is the Roman method, with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a, a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. He wasn't free from this thing that plagues us. He wasn't free from anxiety, but he knew how to deal with it. And we said this morning, it is not sinful to have thoughts that come into your mind that cause you to worry. What is a problem is when we despair and give up hope instead of turning to the one who has created us, who has saved us, and who keeps us. And so while he was in prison... There in Rome, he wrote this little letter of Philippians at which we looked last year. And he wrote these memorable words that we studied at the end of our study. And in these verses, we are given two helpful antidotes. That might be too strong a word, but two helpful things when we are considering worry and anxiety. Let's read together Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. First, instead of worrying, what does he say? Do. Pray. Pray. Verses 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Now, that's, that, that sounds so simple, doesn't it? And, and I know that those who, who struggle with worry and anxiety, that, that, that you do, you just you constantly are crying out to God. And it may be a short-lived battle, and it may be a lifelong battle, but you continue to entrust whatever it is you're worrying about to the Lord. Here we have several different words for prayer. There's a, a general word for prayer. Just pray. But then he gets very, very specific. He talks about supplications. He talks about requests. I mean, we worry about very specific things, right? And so it stands to reason that we should pray about those very specific things. When we are worried about finances, we can pray specifically that the Lord would provide. When we grow worried about our health, and uh, we, we, we may pray about uh, specifically about wisdom, about uh, which doctor to go for, which treatment to, to take, which, which direction to go, and we seek and desire from Him His wisdom, His guidance, and His direction. He hears our prayers, and he loves us. Is he withholding any good thing from us? No. No. We're promised there in verse 7 that, that, that the Lord will give us a peace that replaces our anxiety. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a kind of peace that defies the circumstances that we face. Now understand this. God's peace is not the absence of conflict. Whenever there's two people in a sinful world, there's going to be conflict. It just is. There just is. So it is not the absence of, of conflict. We'll receive that when we step into the presence of the Lord fully at the end of our days. But in John chapter 16, Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure, and they, he was talking with them and describing to them 
what was about to take place. In verse 28 of John 16, he says, I came from the Father, and I've come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. And they said, oh, now you're speaking plainly to us. We understand. He said, do you? I mean, what he is describing means that they will be alone. It's why he's given them the promise of his spirit, the promise of his comforter, that when he goes away, he will send one who is more able to help and encourage them. But the thought of their master being gone had to be worrisome to them. But he went on down in verses 32 and 33. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home. And will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone. My Father's with me. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. There will always be trials and tribulation. We are promised that this is the case. God's peace does not remove those things from us. Instead, his peace settles us grounds us, secures us, because we are in relationship with him. The Lord Jesus suffered and died alone. All of his friends had scattered from him, and one who had been with him betrayed him. And he was alone. Never has anyone been that alone. Because the Son of God had always been in the presence of the Trinity and the presence after the creation of the angels had always had this. And now here he is in his humanity, humanly alone. But what promise did he hold on to? <laughs> I'm not alone. Father's with me. My Father is with me. Do you have that settled peace? Are you secure in your relationship with the Lord? Because it is in that that we are able to face the circumstances, the trials, and the difficulties of life with full assurance that we're going to be okay. Because if they slay us, we walk into the presence of our Father. And Paul's writing here, and he says that peace, you can have that peace, and it comes over and over and even continually, because if we can pray without ceasing, then we can have peace without ceasing. That peace comes in response to our prayer, and it will guard our hearts 
and guard our minds. You see, when we begin to worry, our minds start traveling down different roads, don't they? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if they say this? What if they do that? What if I approach them and they reject me? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And understand this, that at the end of every what if stands your father. He knows every possible outcome. (laughs) And he knows you. And he loves you. Oh, if when we begin to worry, we could just capture that vision of our Christ suffering for us, that we might have life abundant and everlasting and be in fellowship and relationship with Him, with our Heavenly Father, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, if we can always come back to that which grounds us in our faith, that God is sovereign, and yet He loves me. Whatever I face in this world, He is more powerful, more wise, and able to overcome. In this world you will have tribulation, says the Lord Jesus. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. We need to pray, guarding our hearts and guarding our minds. We need to pray believing. And prayer is the place to forgive, to to begin. But then second, he says instead of worrying, you ought to be thinking rightly thinking rightly. And I tell you, if we begin to think rightly, we'll begin to pray rightly. And if we begin to think rightly and begin to pray rightly, then we will begin to live rightly. Because it's all settled in our minds, in our hearts, what we are thinking about. I, I, I would dare say that Anybody here who has any type of responsibility in life, whether it's a, a job or you're a student or, or a parent or, or spouse or, or whatever it may be, that at, at some juncture in time, you have laid in bed at night and you have just played out scenarios of worry. Or maybe I'm the only one. But we have all done this. And, 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 and instead of praying, instead of beginning to think rightly, I just keep... And that's a confession I'm making to you, and I'm making it to my wife, because she doesn't believe I lose sleep over anything. In our early marriage, we had a lot of problems with finances and things, and she would say to me, and I'm making her sign this. I'm, oh, that's bad. She would say to me, uh, how can you just lay there and sleep? We've got this facing us. How can you do that? And, and, and my response was, honey, is there anything that I can do about it right now? <laughs> no. Then let me sleep and tomorrow I'll be refreshed and able to deal with it. Okay? Well, that's my motto. But we don't always live up to our mottos, do we? And I've had nights 
when it just plays in my mind. And I cry out to my Father. I cry out to my Savior. I cry out to the Spirit of God. And then I begin to think rightly. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And he tells the Philippians and he tells us what to think about instead of worrying. And he gives us important principles to think about here instead of worrying. Essentially, we are being challenged to consider carefully what we think about. And that's important. And each one of these little words represent a way of thinking that can replace the worry that crowds into our minds. And he begins with the foundation. Whatever is true. What is the truth? It's God's Word. It's God's Word. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Thy Word is truth. We run to the Word of God, wherein all promises lie. Where we see the character of God revealed. And really, as you look down these words, and we just look at them briefly as we continue in, 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 in thinking, as we look at these different words, each one of these is a reflection of, of our Father, a reflection of our Savior, a reflection of the God who loves us so very much. Whatever is true, all of those promises. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, he says back in verse 19 of Philippians 4. Sometimes we're worried that we don't have the strength to, to carry on, to get through the things that are, are facing us, not even one more day. And the truth that is declared in the Scripture is, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Verse 13. So when I feel lonely, when I feel isolated, when I feel neglected, God's word is true. For he has said in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. What promises? Oh, that we would look to the promises of God. We used to sing, standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Glory in the highest. And we'll shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. They are there. Why do I not flee to the Word of God instead of letting my mind grind itself down in worry and even despair? 
promises of God are here. Paul's indicating that instead of, of, of worrying, we should spend time in the Word of God, time developing new patterns of thought. Things that are honorable. Our God is totally honorable. He is the embodiment of dignity and respect. And we dwell upon him and upon heavenly things and upon kingdom things and upon righteous things, things that are worthy of praise. We're dwelling upon God. I mentioned righteousness, the things that are just, that which is pure and and, and true, things that are, are aligned with God's moral law, with God's standard for living, with God's character revealed to us in Christ. Think upon things that are pure, holy, undefiled, things that are free from sin, Dwell upon holy things. Dwell upon the beauty of the Lord and the salvation and the grace and the mercy that he has imparted to us. Think of the loveliness of the Lord Jesus. Things that are sweet. Things that are precious, gracious, kind. When we think upon these things, we're pleasing our Father because we are really thinking about Him. And then things that are well thought of, commendable is the word. Things that God requires or or thinks of as as important. We have the things that we think of that are important, but God, what, what does He think is important? He thinks that it's important that we love him with everything we've got. He thinks it's important that you and I love each other unconditionally. And that we work through whatever it is that we need to work through. And that we love other people, even strangers, even our enemies, enough to tell them the truth that there is judgment coming, but that there is a Savior. We dwell and we think upon these things. This pleases our Lord. If there's anything excellent in in our thinking, Paul said, there's anything worthy of praise, then dwell upon, think upon those things. But it's not just an intellectual nod to, well, yeah, that's a holy thing and and that's a, a, a just thing and that's an honorable thing. It's not just theory, it's life. We think about godly things, we pray about godly things, we dwell upon them, we let our minds bathe in them, and then we allow those things to work out of our lives in action to where we are honorable, we are just, we are pure, we are lovely. We are commendable in the sight of the Lord. 
we basically become what we think about. And if we think about all of the difficulties and the challenges and we dwell upon them, then we will become worriers. But if we think upon the, the greatness of our God and all of his attributes and all that he has revealed to us, then we look like Christ. Then we live like Christ. We want to live godly lives. We want to live, we want to live truthful lives. No, there is no off switch for our worry. And it does take great discipline sometimes to overcome anxiety. And sometimes we do need help. And as much as we can rely upon each other, we can cry out with the psalmist from Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Ask the question, from where does my help come? And you can look at that verse and it can have two different meanings there. First of all, you could be looking to the high places. You could be looking to, to, to something less than God. You could be looking to, to false hope and false worship. That's possible to read that there. When you go to Jeremiah 3.23, Jeremiah says, Truly the hills are a delusion. The orgies on the mountains, that's, that's false worship. That is pagan worship. And then he says this, truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. So it's possible that we should ask the question, shall I lift up my eyes to the hills? And then ask the question, from where does my help come? And the answer is always the same, whether we are looking in the past the creation to the creator or whether we are refusing to look to the things of this world for our help the answer is the same verse 2 my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth and the promise he will not let your foot be moved he keeps you he doesn't sleep Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Christian, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Is it true or is it not true? I should have heard, it's true. Thank you. It is true. I know you're Baptist. It's okay. But as we go from Matthew 6, and we see that Jesus, throughout all of this teaching, is encouraging our total dependence upon God to live the life of daily faith just to get through today. And then tomorrow to get us through today and every day.
I mentioned it this morning. I think it's why the Lord teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give us what I need for the moment. Give me what I need right now to to get through this. And then think upon him. Yes, daily troubles persist. (laughs) Sorry, Gene. Sorry. It's okay. God's going to handle it. He'll use you. But they do persist. But he is... He's completely powerful. He's completely able to handle everything. It's him. It's all about him. And it's all from him. And it's lavished upon us in Christ Jesus. Why is he the last place that we run? We should run to him in prayer, opening his word, devouring his promises, holding on to them tightly, and then living out the life of Christ before a lost world.